Hey, Jason. Hey, Mr. Craig. I heard that we have another dudette. Yeah, and guess what we're going to talk about? Successful systems and incredible wisdom with your second dudette, Laura Harris. Let's get in there. Let's do it. Welcome to the Insurance Dudes, a podcast for insurance agency owners helping us to think of different ways to optimize our business and our lives. Hey, hey. I feel like one of the boys. <laughs> no, you're a dudette. I want to be a dudette. Let's better, look at all that stacks of crap up here. Wow. That's paper, right? Yes. And if you lived in South Texas, you would know what paper is because we have to deal with the Texas windstorm and they don't believe in computers. Oh, wow. Gosh. Yeah. So, and let's make it even more complicated. We have to manually bill all of those windstorm renewals. Manually. (laughs) So we're the insurance company. So you you collect the payment and then- Come pay us. Yes. So they pay Laura Harris, and then Laura Harris pays Texas Windstorm. Well, the way that it works is you have to make the check out to Texas Windstorm, but the check must come through our office, and then we have to forward it over to the Texas Windstorm people. You have got to be kidding me. Manually typing invoices. They don't even send an invoice. We have to manually dummy up an invoice for every policy that we have come up for renewal. How many policies do you have? Your brains are going, bam, bam. I, I'm, I, Property like, side is probably like 3,000 or something like that. Uh, wait, what? You have 3,000 of them? <laughs> See, he was getting it and you weren't, Craig. Well, <laughs> I, I don't know what yeah, happened. Because it's every property that we insure, whether it's a renter's or a condo or a home or whatever, if they want windstorm coverage, they have to go through the state. So what's the uh, what's the average premium? Ooh, actually, our premiums are really good down here. So it's probably fifteen hundred to two thousand on the windstorm. Woo. That's the windstorm coverage. So you have about six million in premium. Is that right? Did I just add an extra zero? Well, keep in mind, not all policies are homeowners policies. That's what it would be if all of them were homeowners. Oh, gotcha. Mind, some of them are condos, some of them are renters, some of them are, yeah, they're not all homeowners, but yeah, then it's that, a lot. Then, I don't even know then what then that's worth is. it. But all you, I know is need, manually billing. You almost need one person just for that. Oh, yes. No, I do have one person and she has 25 years insurance experience. You, you're doing it? No, not me. It's I've oh. got an employee that's been with me 25 years. She's been with wow. me since I opened 25 years ago. Wow. She's the only one I trust to because think about it, guys. If one policy doesn't get invoiced and a hurricane hits, I could be two hundred thousand dollars in a hole. Yeah. Oh. Do you know what I'm saying? It's the biggest yeah. E&O exposure by far that yeah. we have. Just- and can I brag on her? Do yes. It. Hurricane Harvey, we had over a thousand claims. We did not have one E&O. And I know agents that had five ENOs. A thousand wow. claims. Over a thousand claims, not one ENO. And I know agents that are smaller than me that had five ENOs. Well, you know what? It sounds like in Texas, you deserve the bigger premiums. <laughs> <laughs> we, we definitely work hard for it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But then we wow. still have to do stupid things like somebody has to file those things. And like, oh, well, I haven't seen you forever. I'm not so it's whining. Really good to see you, Laura. It's good money. I miss you. Yeah, it's been a while. <laughs> so we have uh, Laura Harris on on the cast right now. Yeah, second dude oh. of the insurance dudes. Good. Right. And, and I wasn't trying to get my own self on this whenever I said, where's the dudettes? I just like, dudes, dudes, dudes. And I'm like, what about girls? But see, there's not that many listening to us. So we want them. We should fix that. Yeah. I wonder if because it's called insurance dudes, it just alienates. I don't know. I mean, um, give us the yeah. the dudette perspective. I mean, what do you think? <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I think um, just being real honest, terrible. I can say this. You can't. I, I think the number of high-powered, aggressive, crazy women is not radical. 
Do you know what I'm saying? <laughs> Versus there's a whole lot of guys that are psycho freaks. And that's why all the people who got fired pretty much in the last 60 days are men. You know what I mean? It's like, you can get a little too aggressive sometimes, but um, mm-hmm. some people get a little overly creative and greedy, but um, you know, I, I would say there's tons and tons of successful women, but I don't think most of them are as noisy as me. Yeah. <laughs> You are involved in a lot of things. I am everywhere, man. But I'd love to hear the hear about where you came from because I haven't even heard your your story. Oh you my know? gosh, you you're gonna die. Person. Okay, so 25 years ago, when I was hired by Allstate, I was a 33 year old geek, and I was super duper excited because getting on an airplane to go to Chicago was like beyond and getting to stay in a hotel, like was beyond, like we didn't like, that was not normal. And so it was super cool because I got to go stay in a hotel. And the thing I was not excited about though, was back in the old days, they used to videotape you pretending to sell something. So you had to do a sales presentation with one of your classmates and you had to pretend to sell them something and they had to pretend not to want to buy it. And then you had to overcome the objections. And they would record it. Well, then the next day you would sit down in a little room, six or eight people, and they would show you recording and then they would chop you to heck. So we sit down in this little room and they put my videotape in. It was a VHS tape. So if that doesn't tell you how long ago it was. Okay. So they put my little videotape in and this lady who looked like she was seven years old, she clearly hated her job. She just looked mean. Um, She looked like she'd been in the military and she was not happy. And As soon as she finished watching my little three-minute pretend presentation, she said, you are never going to make it in the insurance business. No one's ever going to buy anything from you. You need to quit now. I had not even opened the office. And she was telling me I was a loser who was never going to make it in this business. So you're like Michael Jordan. That's great. That is great, though. That's what they should be doing. And it's kind of the opposite now where they're saying, hey, you know, Please come. It's perfect. Yeah, come. Best thing ever. No matter how timid, like some of the people I went to class with, it's like guaranteed. Yeah. Well, and if, if legit, if I was somebody who wasn't able to communicate, like telling someone, honey, you know, this is probably not going to be real good for you. That's one thing. Do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. that's, that's honesty and love, but it was so infuriating. Okay. So back then we used to have these little daily planners because Nobody kept, you know, OWA. We didn't have all that. paper. So we would write down our appointments for the day. And every single morning I would write, I am laying on the beaches of San Juan with my honor ring on. Because I was determined to win the trip that year was for San Juan. And I was like, I'm going to San Juan. Okay, so let me tell you. Can I tell you the name of the lady? Yes. Louise Slaughter. Of course. Legit. Her name was Slaughter. And I like every morning, all I could think of is Louise. I was not being a very nice Christian like person in the minute because I was <laughs> brutally angry that she was determined that I was not going to make it. And I was, <laughs> I was, so not only did I win a trip to San Juan, but I won a trip to Cancun and the following year, which was our first full year in business, we were named the number one all state agency in the state of Texas. Boom. Oh, take that slaughter. Boom. But you know what? I think Sergeant Slaughter had something to do with that. Sergeant <laughs> you know? Slaughter. Tell you, as bad as it sounds, I think the lesson that I learned in all of that is I would not have had anywhere near the determination if she had encouraged me as I had with her being a jerk. But I still think she could have said it in a kinder way. Yeah, but right. think of because she said it that way, it led to you doing getting that outcome. Psycho. I mean, I mean, maybe... If she just had said, hey, you could do it a little better, you would have been like, oh, okay, and then you just wouldn't have cared. I wouldn't remember her name 25 years later. Because <laughs> is it the most fun job to collect all these things and send them? And No, but here's the deal. That's why I think, and, and I don't know, have you guys read a book called Traction? No. Mm-mm. Okay, so there's a, a, an author named Gina Wickman, um, W-I-C-K-M-A-N. And he's written several different books, but um, one of them's called Get a Grip. Another one's Traction. I can't remember what the third one's called. I can see Get a Grip here, but I can't see the other ones. Um, but the concept in general is it's called Entrepreneurial Operating System. And so he talks about how do you create a business that 
kind of doesn't revolve around you, which is the same thing that my book is, you know, how do you create a business that doesn't revolve around you? But his is, his is really designed for large corporations. So it's very insightful because it talks about how to have the right meetings so that you're getting things done, how to groom leaders so that a dominant personality like this crazy person is not creating a situation where anyone else is afraid to open their mouths. Do you know what I mean? Because yeah. you're such a dominant leader. So the book is phenomenal because it talks about how intentionally you have to get processes in place, which that was easy for me. I'm process freak. Um, it talks about the, the meeting structure and exactly, like exactly, exactly how the meeting is going to go and who's going to talk and how long and, and the whole nine yards. But um, I love the book. He's written a bunch of them, but the one I like most is, uh, oh, Rocket Fuel. Because Rocket Fuel talks about, that's the one I was trying to remember, the fact that if you're a person like me, I'm what he defines as a visionary. So I am full of 7,000 ideas. 90% of them probably need to be pooped on and thrown in the trash can. But it's like, okay, somebody has to come in behind me and go, yeah, we're not doing those three. These, yeah. th- this one's a good one. Let's go ahead and do that one. And then the executor, you know what I mean? Like that person who gets in there and they call, he calls them an integrator and make sure that, Oh wait, that was an actual good idea. <laughs> let's take that one and let's do something with it. And let's make <laughs> sure that the team is structured around that. So I like um, rocket fuel because it talks about who the visionary is and how their brain works and who the integrator is and how, if you create that teamwork, it really makes a huge difference in building any kind of business. It doesn't matter what it is Um, because the visionary can still do the cuckoo stuff. And, you know, I'm good. I actually just had somebody that I've known for 20 something years called and she goes, why did you answer the phone? (laughs) And I said, cause there's 12 of us and we all answer the phone equally. And that's not entirely true. I'm a little bit further (laughs) down pecking, but I still answer the phone. You know what I mean? Like if the other people, there's four people above me, if they're all on the phone, then I'll answer the phone. And the sales team's not even allowed to answer the phone. Like they're on a whole sales Laura, I know this to be true because I have called your office before and you answered the phone. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> wait, give me the other Laura. There's got to be another Laura. <laughs> yeah. No, like, I do. Yeah, because I think, I think one of the things that that does is it shows my customers that, I'm a, I, that I am accessible. You know, I'm not sitting up on my throne and, you, and there's no gatekeeper here. You know, if you call because you're trying to sell me charity stuff or do whatever, like you're going to get to me and I'm going to get you off the phone quick, but you're going to get to me. You know what I mean? So I like it because my customers know, like if they have a really bad problem with a young driver who just had a wreck or whatever, they're actually going to get me. They're not going to get somebody else who's going to try and, you know, keep them from talking to me. So I think being accessible is huge, but but that book, literally step-by-step, step, guys, um, the, the rocket fuel one talks about the structure, and then traction talks about how to do it inside your operation. Both of those books were life-changing for me in my operation. Who, who's the author? Gino, G-I-N-O, Wickman, W-I-C-K-M-A-N. Definitely out of all the books I've read in the last five years, the most life-changing for sure. Wow. And, and I did, I, you guys know everything I have is copied from someone. It was uh, Chris Draper is the one who told me about it. He's an agent in Houston. Everything I have is stolen, but stolen <laughs> with permission and only passed along. I had one guy like a couple years ago that called me and he goes, I want to share something with you. They have to promise not to tell anyone else. And I said, then don't share it with me. I can't do that. Yeah. Because <laughs> if you don't want me to tell anyone else, then I don't want to know it. Whatever it is, you just keep it to your big, bad self. Like (laughs) that's not who I am. So, you know, for me, it's about finding all the good stuff, gathering all the good stuff and then passing it along to others. But, you know, I don't, I do not understand the scarcity mentality where it's like, okay, I'll let you have like, here's a good example. This cool postcard that says we miss you to send to your customers. I love it. You know what I mean? Cause it's like, okay, a really cool way to do winbacks you know, I didn't create that. Somebody showed me. I stole it. You know, I mean, there's only so many ideas and there aren't very many original ones. So if we right. just copy the good stuff, then it's yep. a pretty simple formula. But have you, yeah, don't, have you don't call of, me and say, hey, I've got a good idea, but don't tell anybody else. <laughs> have you heard of that book, uh, Scaling Up? It's very similar. 
No. Okay, now I gotta read it. Let me write it down. Hold on. By Do they have it on Hanna. Audible? I get kind of mad if I have to actually read a book. No, it's on Audible. I'm literally okay, looking good. at my Audible right now. Yay! I'm scaling up. Okay, no, I will yeah. read it this week though because I love. There's very few good business books. Yeah, there's. Um, it's amazing how many of them are like, like okay, 15 pages in, you've read anything worthwhile. The rest of it's junk. Emeth revisited is another great one. I actually got my daughter and I, when she was 18 years old, got to fly to California and meet the author. Oh, cool. It was so stinking cool. Like it was, I was kind of in awe because he's a very matter of fact, out of all the books in 25 years, his book changed my operation more than any book ever. Because I was probably in about my fifth year in business when I read E-Myth originally. And everything in this world revolved around me. Do you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? So I had people coming into my office constantly. Well, what about this? Can I write this condo for secondary residence? We don't have, I mean, just questions, 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 questions. And I remember going to the half price bookstore and I was beyond overwhelmed. I was like practically in tears and I'm looking to try and find a business book. I'm thinking if I could just read something that will fix this mess. (laughs) And I remember seeing the E-Myth book and I thought, that is the dumbest name for a book because nobody even knows what that means. <laughs> right. And I thought, what an idiot, what an idiot. And I remember thinking this guy's so stupid. And then I pulled it out, which I'm thinking, okay, how many hundreds of thousands of books do you think there were in that bookstore? I pulled it out because it was a dumb book that I didn't think made any sense. And I read it and I took it home and it changed my life radically because yeah, he great. again talks about creating a business that doesn't revolve around you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, being yeah. The, the there's the story brand selling too. They talk about it being the narrator, right? Yes. Not you're not the the uh, the the main character of your you operation. Should be the idea guy, and and not only that, but I mean, I I did some consulting in Louisiana a few years ago, and and with these agents that I was working with, they had the same problem that I had in the first five years, where everything revolved around them. And I said, here's what you do: anytime somebody comes into your office to ask you a question. You say, okay, where is that in writing? Because it didn't come out of my brain. Like it's in writing somewhere. Mm-hmm. So let's figure out where to go look because you should never have to come ask me again. Like it's in writing mm-hmm. somewhere. And, you know, after about 60, 90 days of that, there should not be anyone coming into your office unless something really off the wall comes down, like mm-hmm. just bizarre something, you know, I mean, just something that couldn't be defined in writing. Yeah. And it's amazing yeah. how I actually get to work. Because I'm not getting interrupted a hundred times a day. Right. The God of minutes are killers, you know, and, and you, they, they literally start with, do you have a minute? Like, Hey, Craig, you got a minute? No, <laughs> no. Well, no, I got to do a podcast. And after, <laughs> after 60 days, if they come in, I tell them, do you need me to read to you? I mean, I start going not so nice because it's like, <laughs> seriously, I actually told one girl, here's the deal. It seems like about one third of the phone calls that come in, you have to come and ask me a question. So let's just do this. I'm going to fire you and I'll answer the phone. Right. <laughs> because if I'm going to get one third of the phone calls anyway, I'd rather not pay your payroll. I'll just answer the phones. So great. I got really, really big. And I said, or you can solve the problems. And then if you have something really weird that happens once or twice a week and you have to come ask me a question, that's fine. And she goes, let me see if I can fix it. I thought, I bet you can I love how you did it with such an upbeat, upbeat tempo or upbeat uh, tonality too, right? She was well, like, and you oh. need people who are willing to be confident. And I get it. There's 52 different policies with Allstate. We all have different, um, you know, I, I have Laura Harris rules. You know what I mean? Like the company says, this is the rule. And sometimes mine's even a little more stringent because Allstate lets us do some stuff that I'm like, no, 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 no. You know, I'm, for example, you know, having someone who doesn't really own the car be added onto the policy if they live in household. Yep. Nope. Not doing mm-hmm. it because no they're going to move out at some point in time. I'm not going to know they moved out. Then there's going to be a coverage issue. So no, you just tell them they have to buy their own policy. So we have a few, very few rules around stuff that's a little bit more stringent than all state, but it's like, no, 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 no. I, I just, I, I don't like drama and I, and I want to work. We have written down, and this is one of the things traction makes you do. It makes you write down five to seven core values for your business. Mm. And so we've written down and defined, like, if you're going to work here, you, one of them is being autonomous. 
you must be autonomous. So if you're insecure, I always tell them, this is a terrible thing to say to guys, but I always tell them insecurity is unsexy and I will not work with unsexy people. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like, it's just not an option. You know, it's like, no. And now if you are not educated on a subject, that's one thing. I educate you, but I won't work with insecure people. Right. Imagine if we said that to all of the ladies out here. <laughs> I'm sorry, but you guys are insecure. And, and You'd be in trouble. <laughs> See, the good thing is exactly. everyone in my in my office here is, is female. So I can say that. But yeah. I can tell you, I wouldn't say that if there was a guy in here. So uh, The duality of the sexes. There you go. Yeah, we get we get a little more leeway. <laughs> in an all-female office, are the claws out? Like, how's that? How you is know, that? actually, it... Now, you guys know that I'm a little bit of a weirdo. Ten years ago, I married a Canadian. So I live in Toronto. <laughs> that okay? makes sense. So I happen to be sitting in my office today because my mom had a doctor's appointment yesterday. And so I'm in Corpus. But I am typically like out of every six weeks, I'm down here for maybe one. And then I'm back up in Toronto because I live up there where my man is. And so long story short, um, it's been very good to have an all-female office down here because I don't have to worry about sexual harassment. I don't have to worry about, you know, was somebody's dress too shortcut or somebody's, you know what I mean? Just like, eh. so it does kind of eliminate, and it's not intentional. It's not that I would never hire a man. I have hired men. It's just that I don't have any men here in this operation right now, but um, it does reduce stress. Cause I remember years ago, I had a telemarketer that was a guy and I've had many, um, and he had his headset on like this, so he couldn't hear. And, and I was trying to get his attention between phone calls. And I could see he was in between phone calls on the computer. And I was trying to get his attention, and I couldn't get his attention. So finally, I just tapped him on the shoulder. And he turned around and gave me a dirty look. <laughs> and it was very clear that it was inappropriate to touch him. And I thought, dude, I don't want to touch you. I'll throw a pin next time. Like, you know, yeah. I mean... Come like, up I like, went like this on his shoulder, you know, and in a room full of people. It's not like we were in a private room and I was grabbed him or something, you know. <laughs> so let's just say that has really weighed on me over the years because I thought that was completely innocent and he was yeah. clearly not okay. And I was like, geez. So since then, he's been arrested for murder and he's in prison. So, wow. like well, legit, like legit. So. <laughs> <laughs> So it no, might have been a little PTSD. A little yeah. <laughs> okay. Okay. So <laughs> how yeah. is it working remotely? I love it. It's actually it would be very difficult if I had not spent years and years and years. You guys know I wrote the book Surrender to Win, talking about how to clearly assign job duties to certain people and make sure that there's clear accountability. And I would I, I tell everybody I would spot check my mama. You know what I mean? Because if you're assigned the cancellation audit, maybe once a month, I'm going to go in there and make sure that there's not any calls that were missed. And the last time I fired someone, which was October of last year, it was somebody in the service department. It was somebody who had not worked the cancellation audit for three weeks. And I'm like, "Uh uh-uh, no, you know better. Do you know what I mean? It's like, that's an integrity issue. So she was fired immediately and no, no, she had actually been warned once before. So isn't, it wasn't that she didn't know any better. She just thought I wasn't watching. And it's like, yeah, if I ever catch you, mm-mm. So, so you know, we, we have everything. We have what we call a job accountability sheet. And if anybody wants it, just email me. And I'll send it to you that shows, like, these are the jobs that Stacy has. And these are the jobs that Teresa has. And these are the jobs. And one person for any job. Because if you think about it, if... One person works a cancellation audit on Tuesdays and Thursdays and someone else works it on Mondays and Wednesdays. Yes. Then who do you blame if it doesn't get worked for a week? You know what I mean? Right. You can't it's like doing people. service and sales together. Exactly. So it goes well. Yeah. So it's, it's a very simple formula with the exception. Everyone in the service department must do policy reviews and obviously everyone in the sales department has to do sales. So those two things are owned by everybody in the department, mm-hmm. but we get a report every morning that shows how many CPRs did you do? You're in the service department. How many did you do yesterday? And so that way there's clear accountability. But the regular jobs, like following up on claims or cancellation audit, one person owns it. So it's very clear who's going to get fired if there's ever a problem. So it's amazing. Everything gets done. So that's what allows me to live remotely is because that clear accountability is there. And we're in the computer age. I can see how much time they have on the phone with Ricochet. I can see 
you know, how many PQBs out of Dash. I can see every single thing that everyone has done all day long. So it's impossible to hide now because of technology. Back in the old days, you could sit there and pretend to be busy all day long. Well, there ain't none of that no more. Plus, you use ActiveTrack, and ActiveTrack tells me what they've been on on their computer. Well, I mean, I had one girl who I fired who had been on 52 websites that were not business-related in the last 24, no, last 48 hours that she was with me. 52 non-business-related websites. That's interesting. So you use ActiveTrack on everybody? Everybody. I was, that's awesome. Everybody. And, and here's what's important. I don't go check it all the time. I only check it if I feel like somebody's maybe I, maybe I walk up behind them and they look like they're, you know what I mean? Feeling guilty or somebody's talk time is really bad. The girl who I fired, her talk time was bad day after day after day. And so I'm like, what is she doing? And that's when I went into active track, but I don't check them. I don't even remember the last time I checked somebody. Not or if they honest. order chloroform. But it's on there all the time. And I tell them, I can listen to your phone calls. You are in my office and on my time. And I can check the computer. It's my computer. Right. So yeah. don't be on anything that you don't want me to see and Father Allstate to see. Because I can tell you, I have received emails and said, hey, an email went out with this and this and this on it. And it was... Somebody else in Father Allstate sent me an email and said, uh, you, you know what I'm saying? And it's like, so if they're watching me, I have to watch you. Right. Yeah. Or they get a virus on your computer and then you got to deal with that mess. You know, it's just, yeah, there's no yeah, reason. Sadly, you kind of have to have extra computers always. I know that sounds ridiculous, but we've always got at least two no, extra it's not. computers in the building. Yeah. One going down is very common. It's not okay. Yeah. Sometimes two in a day. <laughs> I'm 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 getting very close to the point where I'm going to get a backup uh, a backup uh, uh, service provider for the internet because we've been. I have going, one. Do you? I you have two. two. I do have and two. You can switch it over. Mm-hmm. Yep. I'm doing it for my for my next office. Yeah, and and primarily because we're because of the hurricane area. I mean, we're three miles from the Gulf of Mexico. So if you think about it, one could be down, the other one could be up. Right. You know what I mean? So that's the primary reason. It's only a hundred bucks a month extra. It's not a big deal. It's yeah. not. And it does help because we have them. I don't understand technology at all. You guys might be. You don't need to just hook it up. You don't need to. But I know that everything's faster because I have two. That's yeah. all I have to know. I don't have to understand why. I just know it's faster. That's awesome. So, so for somebody like Craig, that Craig's moving to Hawaii and he's going to be working remotely. What can he take between now oh, and the next couple of years? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so, and, and let me tell you, you know, it's interesting that you, you say that. I had, I had an agent that called me, and I won't mention what state because y'all probably figure out who it is, and said, you know, I'm going to hire a person to work in my operation. I think they're going to be really good. They live in this other state. And I'm like, so they've never worked with you. You're going to have to teach them insurance. They're going to be working remotely. They could be watching Oprah all day for all you know. I'm like, why would you do that? Like, Can take anybody somebody. really watch Oprah all day? Oh, I used to watch Oprah for an hour every single day. Not I did. I legit. Every single day I watched it. Every single day. For, well, not all day. Just an hour. <laughs> but, I mean, I would seriously, I'd turn the TV on because I was remote. I was sitting in Canada. I could do that. But yeah. um, I don't even remember last. I don't even watch TV hardly ever. If I do do something, I'm listening to a book while I'm working. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, cause I love all. I know what you're saying. So, but, but I can tell you, I would never allow a remote employee. And I do have two remote employees, unless it's somebody who's been working in my operation and then they move. Right. Yeah. Because I know what a good talk time is for them. I know. And what you will find, and I'm serious as a heart attack is the people who left and work remote, their production actually went up because they don't have anybody to visit with. They're working out of their house. They don't right. have all the interruptions with somebody asking a question or somebody walking in or what. They don't have any of that. That's so pretty cool. They're more effective. Two questions on that. Remotely, do you have active track on their computer? Oh, well, here's the deal. One of them I do, the other one I don't. Because one, I bought a computer for them. The other one chose to retrofit their own personal computer. But the one who retrofitted her own personal computer, it's my daughter. <laughs> so I'm not going to active track her. You know what I'm saying? Um, actually, you do I did hourly. Try, I did try, and she told me no. 
Um, I actually did try because I thought, you know what, that way the others don't accuse me of, well, you're not checking her and you're checking me. Although I would have never checked my daughter. She's the right. bomb. She's such a machine. But, um, but I would buy an all state computer and absolutely have active track on there. Because now, do you pay hourly on that or do you go? Um, actually the two remote employees that I have, have a base salary and then they get commissions. Now, what I recommend if you're going to have a remote employee, it's better to have them in sales. Right. And commission only. Because then it's kind of like, you know, either commission only or a small base and commission because it's like, okay, if they are giving off, it's hitting their pocketbook. And I would still have like a minimum production requirement. Like if you don't hit X amount, then you're gone period. Because I, I can't have you as a distraction or you burning my leads if you're not closing a certain amount. But um, like I said, the two people I've got remote, they actually do better because they don't have the distractions. So most agents that are seasoned, that are been with the company for longer than 10 years, a lot of them don't buy leads. Well, I guess some do and some don't. Sounds like you do. Tell us how you approach that. Yeah. And let me tell you, I could argue this one either way because I don't think it's necessarily the right thing for most people. Okay. My operation, we are doing a policy review on every client every year. So we're not, not getting our cross sales. Right. Right. But that's done by the service department. I don't want my sales team calling existing customers and doing policy reviews. I want them smiling and dialing, smiling and dialing, smiling and dialing. Online. yeah, exactly. And so I have to have them in Ricochet online, you know, the phones are going and they're, they're, they know that they have to get a certain amount of talk time every day. They have to get a certain number of PQBs every day. So I do feel like, um, you know, there's advantages to buying the leads because they can't say I didn't have anybody to call. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? So now I am in a unique position. I have um, absolutely no debt. I own over a million dollars worth of real estate plus the business, which is debt free. I can afford to buy leads. Do it. You know what I mean? So even though (laughs) I'm at 10 and 10, I don't own an ECP. I have one location. I don't want a second location. Even though I'm at 10 and 10, and obviously it'd be much more lucrative if I had a new agency you know, buying internet leads makes a lot of sense. If you've got the new ECP contract and you're in the first two years after that, I don't know that it makes a ton of sense, but because I'm 100% debt free, I don't think I would be able to get to award levels otherwise. Right. Right. And, and the money I don't mind because I like my people to make good money. I, I tell every single one of them, Minimum goal for this year is every single person in this operation is expected to make $2,000 a month in bonus. And if you don't, then we're going to have conversation. And it's because, number one, I would like them not to be poor. I'd like for them to be able to afford to buy houses and do all those things. And I have some single women here. I've got some married women here. But it's like, no, I have one girl who's in her early 30s. And I said, if I have to go help you looking for a house, you're getting ready to buy a house. We're not going to have you written until you're 90 years old. Her mother's never you know, owned a house. Her dad's never owned a house. And it's like, no, we're breaking the cycle. And nice. so we have such a tremendous ability to change the trajectory of someone's life. Mm-hmm. Right. It's difficult if they don't have enough leads to work. So I feel a tremendous responsibility to feed them. And then they darn sure better be closing those things. So are you doing um, live transfers or data leads? Right now we're doing data leads and we go back and forth. Um, This is our busy time of year. We get so many call-ins. It's ridiculous because of people buying houses during the summer. We're right on the coast, you know, buying condos, buying whatever. Um, So I don't need to do warm transfers right now. I don't need to pay the extra. And I used to do warm transfers. I would perform work prefer warm transfers, but now that 7,000 people have opened an ECP mm-hmm. and driven up the pearly price to $100 a pop, Crazy. I can't do it at 10 and 10. I can't. So it depends on your structure, you know what I mean, your commission structure as to whether or not that makes sense. I would much rather have warm transfers. They would love to have warm transfers, but it's not in the budget until the prices get back down to normal. And how many do you buy per person? Like what's your, um, what's your, what's your good question? I don't know the answer to. Yeah, I don't know. Um, we're actually, let me tell you this. I use B leads and I know they're data leads. 
I'm trying to think, well, put it this way. Well, I don't even know. My daughter's the one that runs the sales team. So I could find out and get back with you, but I don't know the numbers that they're getting every day. How about how many PQBs do they have to do a day? Yeah, they have to do eight PQBs a day. Either that or they have to have closed a minimum of two items. Those are the two constraints. And a home and an auto is two PQBs, right? Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. And, and realistically, I mean, there's some days when they'll do 10 or 12. There's some days when they'll do six because they got people in front of them. And so it just, it varies. But obviously what I'm looking at is I, I think the, the smartest constraint is looking at a week. Cause if you look at a month, what I've seen over time, and this is, I believe hundred percent accurate is every single person is either really weak at in the middle of the month or the beginning of the month. Right. Like right. they're burned out at the end of the month because they're killing themselves trying to get, you know, last week, everyone's good last week. Everyone, everyone, yeah. everyone. But for some people, after that last week's over with, they take three or four days to kind of recuperate emotionally. And it's like, I need you closing eight items every week, period. So I think, and that's what we've started doing, is we're looking every single week at, did you close at least eight items this week? Which is mm-hmm. not much, guys. That is oh. not a, the high requirement. But if you didn't close eight this week, then I should not have paid you to be here for 40 hours. Something's wrong. So right. between the talk time that you should be having, the PQBs that you should be having, there is no excuse for not closing eight items in a week. So I like looking at the weekly better because what I used to find with the monthly is there would be always three out of four weeks they were working really hard and one week was kind of a floating yeah. around. Yeah, I agree. Well, 64 100%. PQBs in a week, right? Is that 64? Did I do? No, I did it wrong. What? 40. Okay, what so... What's a PQB? Okay, pre-qualifying. So it just means somebody said, yes, I I want you to give me a quote. So whether it's a quote on a home or a quote on an auto, pre-qualifying. Once you Uh, pull credit, basically. It used to be called. Yeah. Yeah. So if if we have eight people in a day that have said, yes, I want a quote. And the good thing is if you quote home, auto, and umbrella, that's three. Right. Do you know what I'm saying? So the more lines you quote, the better your cross sales you know, the better things are. But if you can't get to eight in a day, you're not going to get to eight closed in your week. There's no way. And that's not a high requirement. I mean, those are very, very, I'm not, I know a lot of agents that are way more hardcore on their sales team than I am. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't want to churn them and burn them. So. So here's another question is you just said that a ton of people are buying leads because of all the ECPs in Texas, but you had mentioned at the beginning that a whole bunch of people got fired. Correct. You sound like you know a little bit about that. I know what, a lot about it. Yeah, no, I know a lot and, and I'll get into generalities so that I'm not being too right. specific, but, but my TSL got fired. Mm. My TSL got fired. Oh, the so TSL. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I call him a tizzle. My boss. Tizzle which is a field sales leader, but his boss, the territorial sales leader. So the types of things that people are getting fired for, and it's not just in Texas, although there's more in Texas, I believe, than anywhere else. Um, The types of things that people are getting fired for, um, for example, having a call center and not disclosing it to Allstate. Mm. If you have a sales location that you have not told Allstate about, you better get something in writing. And, And like I said, my TSL got fired. So you can't say, well, he knew. Well, so what? They just fired him too. Do you know <laughs> right. what I'm saying? Like if right. you're doing something that you think could be a problem, you better have it in writing to your field sales leader, your territorial sales leader, the regional sales leader. And that's, that's high enough. Nobody can say Allstate didn't know. And Allstate can't fire you for doing something that they knew you were doing if you have proof in writing that they knew. So yeah. don't have a, a big call center somewhere and Allstate has no earthly idea that you got a bunch of people over there making, doing the calls. The other types of things that agents have done within the last 90 days, um, you have a call center and let's say there's you know 20 people in there and today they get a call and they go, hey, let's move some business over to Craig's office. Oh, no, today we need you to work out of Jason's office. You know what I mean? Like they're pushing business to all these other to different agencies and the agents are paying the call center. Well, Allstate has a problem with 
the fact that they don't know who all has access to their customer information and alliance and all mm. of these things. It's not okay. And so if I have an LSP that's working for me and another agent, which I do, she has to be inside of the manage my staff under me and under him. There has to be disclosure that she's working for me part-time and she works for him part-time. In my case, it's an unlicensed person who does filing and stuff. But you can't be doing stuff like that behind the scenes. My brother is four miles away. I could say, well, you know what? We've got our production for the month. I'm going to send three people over to your office and they're going to sell for you the rest of the month. You can't do that. Unless he's in him, unless they're in him. To me, exactly. On paper, you've got to disclose what you're doing. Uh, The other types of things that have been done is EAs having ownership that is undisclosed in other offices. So Craig and I get together and I tell him, listen, the two of us are going to open an ECP. We'll just pretend it's in your name, but I'm going to be 50% owner. Can't do that, guys. You know what I mean? Um, the other things that people have been fired for, you got to have $100,000 to open your operation. Another EA says, listen, I want to get that bonus for bringing you on. So I'll loan you the $100,000 and then you can pay me back. Mm. Okay. Again, undisclosed. Anything you're not disclosing is where you can get into trouble. So the majority of the people who were fired, I would dare say 100% of them knew they were doing something unethical. And in many cases, they had a whole bunch of things in writing proving that they knew they were unethical. You know what I mean? Don't tell Allstate this. And I mean, like, you think? You need the paper that says it's okay, not the paper. Exactly. So I know it's not. The, the challenge is the, almost every single person who got fired was writing an ACP because that contract is so lucrative that some people got greedy. Now, some good people got washed up in the situation, but I don't think there was anybody, one, not even one, and this is me being very strong, that didn't know they were doing something wrong. Gotcha. You know, you so it's kind of like, okay, did they think they would get fired over it? No but they knew they were doing something they weren't supposed to do. So right. mm. playing in the gray area. It's not smart. I don't think that's gray though. Yeah, you're right. So it sounds like a pretty dark gray. If, if you read gray. the lawsuits, because I've read the lawsuits in, in yeah. two of the cases, there's no question. Do you know what right. I'm saying? Like you can't read those lawsuits and not know that they knew they were doing something wrong. Yeah. So well, the company is, is very protective of, the client's information, which I mean, by federal law, they they have to. Right, of course, right. I mean, yeah. I, I think that's so important because if that gets out, I mean, comp- Allstate has deep pockets, and that's a big lawsuit if somebody's information is is shared inappropriately. Well, and Allstate gets sued for dumb things we do all the time. Right. So I, I get it that they're trying to. Yeah. Yeah, I think they're sure. trying to protect their brand as they should. And I think mm-hmm. they're also trying to make sure that agents don't go rogue. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you can be creative. There's nothing wrong with creative. Just don't do it behind all states back. Have, so here's another question. Here's a crazy question. So you have all these newer people that are doing these ECPs, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I, like, I've heard of situations where they've tried to sell their books, uh, you know, just a few years after owning them. But the all this everything in their book is out of whack. They're not going to get anything for it. Um, what do you think about uh, ECPs and kind of like where they're going? Is this is this going to be lucrative in five years? I I think and and I want to back up because you started by saying these new guys opening ECPs. Yeah. In, in my in my estimation, I would say about 50% of the guys open in ECPs are old agents like me that have been around forever. And they just seen how lucrative that contract is. So some of them are green guys coming in, but a whole lot of them are not. They're people who got two or three locations and they're opening their fourth one or the fifth one or whatever. But um, there are a lot of those. And here's the challenge. There are a lot of those who have horrible compliance issues. So realistically, here's here. It's going to be a buyer's market because there's going to be a ton of people who've done this churning and burning thing because they wanted to build this sucker and they don't want to manage it. They don't want to service it, which is kind of as much as we all complain about the insurance service center that all states designing that model. It's kind of perfect for the ECP guy who just wants to sell insurance. It's not a bad thing. 
you know? Right. So, you know, do I love every aspect of it? No, but I don't think it's a bad thing. I just, I think it's designed very specifically um, to be really good for some businesses. Um, so the, the challenge is when it comes time to sell that book, here's the first thing I would do. How, how much help is the CSRP going to be? They don't call it CSRP anymore. Whatever the business metrics reports right. call this week. Okay. It, it's, if you've only been in business, let's say two and a half years, you know, those yeah, things aren't tremendously accurate if it's only two years worth of numbers in there. Cause in, mm-hmm. until things have renewed for four or five years, the numbers aren't real firm as far as retention and stuff like that, even loss ratios. So mm-hmm. my thing is, is I would want to see the CSRP. I would want to see the actual sales production report, but I would also want to see your compliance report. Hmm. If you're like me and I've never, ever in the last five years, I've never been over a three, never once, then, you know, okay, her T-Docs are fine. She's, you know, if she sends up a report, you know, an endorsement to change a roof age, she sends in the documentation. So I don't think, I think we need to be careful not to assume that all ECPs are sloppy run because some of them are not, but a lot of them are. And you're absolutely right. A lot of them aren't going to be worth you know, they think they're going to get 3%, no, three times or four times whenever they get ready to get out because that thing's been churning and burning. It's not worth that to me. Even if you leave all those employees, because they could all leave me tomorrow. You know what I'm saying? So I'm probably not going to get your employees. But even if I do get your employees, I don't know if they're going to stay with me long term. I'm buying the customers you already have. So if I see that your retention is not normal for that first two years, or if I see that your POSIS scores are really bad, your compliance numbers are not good, then that tells me you were throwing junk at the wall and hoping that some of it would stick and you're going to sell it. But you're, in my opinion, you're not going to get any more than two times. I've never paid more than two times for any book in my city. Never. Now in Houston, they can get three and a half, four times because there's so much competition there, but they're not going to get three and a half to four times for that ECP unless they find a dumb buyer. Mm. because if you think about it, compliance scores are not going to be good. The retention scores are probably not going to be good. So can they find someone uneducated who doesn't understand the cash flow and they might buy it? Absolutely. But if they get any more than, I mean, Houston's just an anomaly because there's so many agents there that they might find somebody who would do it. But, and I, I just know Texas, but in general, in a normal city, you're, you're going to get two times if you're lucky for that ECP because there is no customer who's been with you five years, not one. So right. your retention overall is not going to be great. And so could I love on them and hold on to them? Maybe, but why would I pay three times for a book of business that I don't know what's going to happen to it? Mm-hmm. I, I, I can tell you, like I said, I bought four books of business and I've never, never paid more than two times. So crazy. It depends. Uh, now farmers agencies are going for what one point seven or one and a half, you know. So, mm. well, and I, I, the one concern that I have when it comes to the insurance service center, and I'm trying not to get political here. Can you tell? Because I love Allstate. Don't get me wrong. My one concern <laughs> is if they make it mandatory for everyone across the the board, and if they don't have a really competitive structure financially for what it's going to cost me to have them doing my service work. Mm-hmm. Now I'm really concerned because stop and think. I mean, I am in South Texas by Mexico folks. I can get cheap labor, no problem. And they speak Spanish or I could have Allstate answering my phone and 50% of those calls are still going to come back to me and I'm paying Allstate to service it. And in my case, back to the folders back there, because we have windstorm excluded on every single property policy in Corpus, I'm not going to get 50% of the calls back like a normal agency would. I might get 75% of my calls back. Right. And I still have to pay someone else to service it. So I think that's going to, um, and, and I trust, I know for sure that Allstate is listening to agents and they're looking at, you know, what our concerns are. Uh, my two concerns are, is I wish at least for the next year and a half that they would promise us it will not be mandatory for anybody across the board. Like if you want to buy a book, and then, and they want to make you go into the service center model. I'm fine with that. I don't care about that. But for those of us who have no intentions of buying the book, I just want you to leave me alone and let me run my agency. 
at least for the next year, until we know for sure that they have wonderful service, they are adequately staffed because they're definitely not adequately staffed today to make it mandatory. Mm-hmm. There's no question. They would right. say um, and, and we know for sure that um, they're going to be able to do it at a reasonable cost because if I can start a new person at 10 bucks an hour and get a good person, but it costs them 15 to 20 because they're not going to be in South Texas. You know what I'm saying? So I'm going to be paying them more than I would be if I had my own employees doing it. And 50% of those calls at least are coming back to me. So that's the dynamic that, that is going to be a challenge, but they know that and they're working on that and they're trying to figure out how to get the costs to be cost effective. But right now it's not mandatory, so it's not my problem. It also <laughs> seems that it would be a challenge for the company to scale to really service the entire co- I mean, how many, there's what, 12,000 agents? I, um, I don't know. Actually, no, it keeps shrinking. It's, yeah, so it's, it's definitely significantly less now. But so let's say it's 10, right? Yeah. If it's 10,000 and I that's think it is about 10. Two or two service people per agency. I mean, that's 20,000. I mean, which is why, Craig, I have encouraged Allstate and hopefully CEO himself will see this. You know, I have encouraged Allstate, please. Just guarantee us this will not be mandatory in 2019 and 2020. If I know for sure I can run my business model as is for the next year and a half, give me 18 months. It's going to take them longer than that to scale up to make it mandatory anyway. So just tell everyone this will be mandatory only if you're starting an ECP or only if you buy a book or whatever, but not for everybody because there's no way they can scale it. So. If they haven't got the ability to scale it, I wish somebody would just use common sense and say, we promise you until January 2021, guaranteed it is not going to be forced. And then it makes it easier for me to run my business because I don't have to worry about what if this hiccup happens six months from now? My, my cash flow might not work the same. Mm-hmm. So going back to, to ECP and stuff, um, it's so easy to, to pull data. Like it's, you know, these ECP, like, you know, these younger buyers, these, uh, or these people that are, that have only been around for a few years, they're going to take that data of all those customers. So doesn't that kind of lessen the value of it too? Definitely. Like what, what, what would yeah, you do? In my it? case, I've bought three books of business from people who were retiring and mm-hmm. they were old. So I trusted they weren't going to open an IA. Okay. And then the fourth one, oh no, actually I bought five. Um, I, I bought a guy who was going into all state management. Well, I'm not worried about him. He's an all state right. manager, you know, and he yeah. moved out of Corpus Christi. So he's not even here anymore. Okay. The last one that I purchased was a lady who was actually younger than me, but she just didn't want to do insurance anymore. And she'd been pretty absentee in her business for a long time. And she would say that I'm not saying anything. She wouldn't say herself, um, because she wanted to go do something else. And so she had no intentions of staying in insurance. I'd known her personally for three years. She came to me and said, would you buy my book? And I said, I got to trust that you're not going to open another independent insurance agency. And I, and I just, I could see the burnout in her and, and it's now been, that was December, 2013 and she's still not in insurance. So you just have to trust that the person you're dealing with is going to be in integrity because that is my biggest fear. You are absolutely right is I, I buy your book and then you go open Goosehead or you go open an IA or you go open Farmers or whatever. And you can say, well, I didn't call them. They called me. Right. And now the burden of proof is on me to try and prevent you from stealing back your customers. So right. you're right. That's a horrible business model. Wouldn't do it. Mm. They got to be getting out or I got to know I'm well enough to trust them that they don't want to do insurance anymore. <laughs> they don't yeah. like this business. It's not fun always. <laughs> it's true. Craig? Oh, I, I, was, I was waiting for you. I've been monopolizing this thing. <laughs> Actually, I have so, been, but y'all are still, used to no, that. You're, you're supposed to. Oh, That's okay. What, yeah. Here's a, here's a good question. You've been doing this for 25 years, you said? Mm-hmm. 25 years. And talk about burnout. How, how do you like insurance is not that exciting, but it sounds like you're excited about it. I love like, what, what exactly. So what, what's key, what's been the secret sauce? Like for somebody that wants to be doing this for 25 years, what, what would you, um, 
Give me I some really, and, and it's what we started with, guys. It's the fact that you've got to do what Michael Gerber said. You create a business that doesn't revolve around you. My book talks about the same thing. How do you do that? His book tells you what's wrong. My book, in my opinion, tells you how to fix it. Um, but then, and then the same thing with traction. Traction is drilling down to how do you create leadership inside of your operation so that the business is not everybody coming to you. So today we have a sales director. That's my daughter. She runs the sales team. I've also got an operations manager. She runs the service team. The three of us meet for one hour every single week. We walk away with that meeting with specific assignments of what we're going to accomplish within the next seven days. And when we get back into the meeting, we have a little come to Jesus on, here's the list of the things that you said you were accomplished within the last. And so I don't have all the responsibility. And the other part of that is I have an amazing man who likes to go to Hawaii. So twice a year we go to Hawaii and spend anywhere from two to three weeks in Hawaii. And I come back to no emails, no messages from customers. My team tells the customer, Laura's out of the office, but I'm going to be glad to help you. Tell me what I can do for you today. They don't ask, can I help you? They tell them they are going to help them. So I don't have customers that are allowed to be addicted to me. It's, it's a choice. And if you have somebody who is insistent on that, you probably need to get rid of them mm-hmm. because it's insulting to your team members for them to right. insist on speaking only to the business owner. Like you're the only person with the brain. And I've, I've told you right. flat out, I don't hire stupid people. There are 12 of us here for a reason. If you call in, the person that answers the phone is going to have a license. They're going to drop what they're doing and they're going to take care of you right that second. Right. And so it takes me being forceful in grooming the customers to where they're not allowed to be addicted to me. And then that way I can actually leave. And, and as I told you, the structure is the visionary and then the integrator. My daughter's the integrator. While I'm gone, she checks my emails. She will answer as me. Customer doesn't even know I'm gone. You know what I mean? And she'll pretend <laughs> to answer their email. Yeah, your payment's one forty two thirty five. Let me know if you need anything else. You know. And so creating systems where if someone's out, we don't have a hole, we don't have things falling apart. And, and let me give you an example, because I don't want to give the impression that we are perfect, because we are far from it. Um, twice today, I got a phone call from someone who said someone was supposed to quote me and didn't call me back. Oof. So I go into my phone system and I look to see who was it that took that phone call. Thank you, God, for ricochet, because it takes two seconds. You know, <laughs> right. I go in there and I look and see. And the two different people, one of them, the call was um, two days ago. And I listened to the call. And she did say, I will get you a homeowner's quote. Now, I personally, when I get through, I say, I'm going to get you a homeowner's quote, but I've got several meetings this afternoon, so it's not going to be today. It'll be tomorrow or whatever. Set a specific expectation and then meet that expectation. So this particular person did not set a specific expectation. She just said, I'll get you a quote. Well, it's now 48 hours later. And in the customer's mind, that's not okay. Uh So when we have our morning meeting tomorrow, because every morning I meet with my meeting, my team at 930, you know, we're going to go over. No, if you're not going to be able to get that customer a quote the same day, you better at least call them back and say, listen, I'm so sorry. I had two or three customers that came in without appointments this afternoon. Is it okay if I call you first thing in the morning? Cause there's no way I'm going to get this done before six and I got to pick up my kids at daycare or whatever, but you communicate excessively and if there's any situations where you're not meeting expectations, you call and apologize in advance and say, you know, because people are understanding, you know, I mean, they're understanding, but you have to set expectations. And mm-hmm. I have set, I, my mom and dad were both amazing business people. So I've set my level of expectation for me up here and for everyone else about here. <laughs> but if they're not meeting here, Tomorrow morning at 9.30, they're going to hear about it. Now, I will never, ever embarrass someone individually in front of the group, but we will have a conversation around someone called in on the 8th. They still hadn't gotten a quote on the 10th. You guys know better. Like, that is unacceptable behavior. Like, if you are on the sales team and you just can't get to all your quotes today, then you give it to somebody else and let them work it. And you let them have it. Because it's like, no, we're, we're not going to hoard the leads that we got 
That's just ridiculous. We have to do what's best for the team. This is a real interesting leadership uh, tactic, I guess, is so have you talked to her about this at all? Um, I emailed her, which I can promise you she knows she's in deep shit. Okay. Because <laughs> that's not – the standards have to be set yeah. to where she knows, ooh, this is not going to go well. And I can promise you within 15 minutes of getting that email, that person will be getting a quote because I can tell you they know that's unacceptable behavior. Right. So, to your point, Craig, you have to define what's acceptable. Because in some people's yeah. offices, two days, as far as they're concerned, that's fine. It's not fine in my office. If they don't get a mm. quote the same day – I expect you to get back on the phone with them and you explain why you apologize profusely and you kiss them tush and tell them you're going to call them before noon the next morning. But right. you set those clear expectations, but it will be discussed in the office meeting again. And, Without- and let me give you another example, because I don't want anybody to think that my office is perfect. You know, to-dos, the agent to-dos, the service team. Okay. Yeah. There's no to-dos for the sales team. Their stuff's all in ricochet, but for the service team, you know, there's five people that are, that are doing service. Well, if they have an X date to call somebody, you know, and maybe the person was supposed to send us a copy of their deck page or whatever. And the service team is waiting to get that, to give it over to the sales team. If I find out that you didn't work your to do when you were supposed to work your to do now, that lead is no longer current because now we're three weeks away from the renewal date and probably the mortgage companies already paid the other carrier. And you know what I mean? It's kind of like, so the same thing with the service team with to do's it's like, no, if I find out that your to-dos are more than two or three days behind, I mean, if you're two days behind, that could be right now I've got my service manager out. So the phones are going to be worse for everybody else on the team. So I, that's a good excuse for a day. That is not a good excuse for three days. Yeah, right. Figure it out and you guys work together. And it's like if each one of you has to take a turn and queue out for an hour to get your to-dos caught up again, you work as a team. So that's the operations manager's job. Right. is to see to it that everyone on her team stays current with their emails, with whatever. And the same thing for my sales director. She has to make sure that there is no situation where somebody's not getting a quote the same day. There's just no excuse for that. They're just, it, I mean, unless we're in the middle of a hurricane situation and calls are coming in faster than we can work them, which is awesome, um, right. which we're not right this minute, but we should be by the end of the week. Um, you know, unless, unless you're just in a very odd situation, even if there's two people out on vacation, there's no excuse. There's 12 of us. Right. I love that enforcement strategy though, right? It was an email. So she knows, and then you have, then you create the coachable moment in the meeting. Everybody's like, Oh, I hope that wasn't me. And, and you know, the one that it was, who knows it was them. Please don't say my name. She right? knows it's coming up, but she, but right. they know I never, ever humiliate yeah. them. Publicly. It's great. Never, ever, ever. But if I have that come up again anytime in the next 60 days from that same person, mm-hmm. then, there's- then, then it's a come to Jesus. You're in my office and you're signing off on a job in jeopardy because I only hire autonomous people. And if I have to do daycare on you to see if you're really quoting people mm-mm, or you're really following up, mm-mm. No, not acceptable. So again, now here's the other side. I sound like a monster. Okay, here's the other side of that. If you have a situation where, you know, we've had somebody out for three or four days in your department. And so you're really behind. First of all, you tell the operations manager, okay, the person who's over you. And you guys should be able to figure it out to maybe give each person an hour off the phones today so that they can get caught up. If that's still not enough, somebody better come tell me. Because if I find out you're behind and the operations manager didn't tell me, now we're in deep doo But the good right. thing is I'm meeting with my sales director, my operations manager every single week for an entire hour. So if something's going wrong, there's no excuse for me not to know about it. But I don't fix the problems. It's their responsibility to fix the problems. And I've misled you a little bit in our office meetings in the morning, first thing in the morning, the sales director has the first part and she goes over numbers from the prior day. Operations manager goes over some changes and RMPs and stuff like that. And I'm only talking if there's something wrong. So Makes I'm not sense. leading the meeting. I'm, I'm, you know, trying to transition leadership. Well, Empower them. Yeah. It's so awesome. I mean, we've, we've gone beyond the time that we told you. Um, it's so awesome to have you on here, Laura. If you were, we'll wrap with this last thing. We always wrap with it. If you were going to give one piece of advice to a new agent coming in, what would you tell them? Do not lose 
your priorities. When I started in this business, I was a workaholic um, from the time I opened in 94 to 1999. In 1999, my oldest child was a senior in high school and we were so detached because I was a workaholic that she actually moved out of the house before she even graduated high school. Now, she and I are very close friends now, but that was in 1999. Fast forward to five or six years ago, my dad was dying. He's sitting in a wheelchair. He cannot speak anymore. He, mentally, he was still there, but he was, he'd had Alzheimer's for years, but he was still mentally able to understand you. He just couldn't communicate at that stage. And he is sitting in his wheelchair bawling. And it was just he and I together in the room. And I said, you were a good dad because I knew what he was thinking. And he kept shaking his head and crying. And I said, no, daddy, you were a good dad. And he kept shaking his head because my dad was a workaholic too. And mm -hmm. so you, I don't want anybody to look back on their 1999. You can see how traumatic that year was for me because I realized I had misprioritized horribly. And because of that, I had a really bad situation with my daughter. And to make it even worse, she moved out in February. And a few months later, one of her best friends got killed. Oh. And we were not even on speaking terms when it happened. Got killed by a drunk driver. And so for us to have to go to a funeral of, her friend was 19 years old, of a 19-year-old. And we held hands and we cried together. And we fixed everything that day. But I don't, it could have been my child that died when we weren't getting along and my priorities were out of whack from 94, you know what I mean? To 99. So if you do anything, just don't forget, it's okay to be a workaholic. Just don't be a workaholic 12 hours a day, be a workaholic in a reasonable, it don't lose track of your wife and kids. Cause no, if you end up divorced, yeah. it isn't worth it. Balance mm. is so important. That is great wisdom. Well, so, so you do have the book. I'll, I'll, I'm going to post the book uh, link in the Correct. show notes so people can get that on Amazon. I think it's 11 bucks or yes. somewhere around there. And so, so thank you so much. What yeah. about Audible? It is on Audible. All nice. of Tina Whitman's books are on Audible. Highly recommend you start with Rocket Fuel because it explains the structure and then read Traction because Traction is the one that tells you how to do everything. Cool. Yeah, and then great, great stuff. No matter what kind of business you're in. Yeah, and, and then, then we'll also put. Um, can you send us the um, the the list that you said for all of the for all of uh, the job staff? accountability? Yes, and we'll post yeah. that in the um, group. I'll do yeah. it. We, I'll do it in the insurance dudes and dudettes and dudettes group. Yeah, we'll throw that hey, up there. Is that okay if we put it up? girls in there for you guys. Yeah. I appreciate y'all. Thank you so much awesome. for letting me Thank share. Thank you so much. Uh -huh. Thank you so Good much. To you. Love it. Bye-bye. Has finding, training, and retaining the best insurance producers ever been your struggle? It's why Agency Vault built the Sales Strengths Identifier to uncover if candidates and current staff have the specific sales skills to get you top results. Try it free at www.agencyvault.com slash dudes. That's www.agencyvault.com slash dudes and assess your lowest performer for free. Try it now. Hey, thanks for checking out the insurance dudes. Hey, please subscribe. We got some really great stuff coming out.